Kerry, I watched this video on YouTube and they were talking about this guy in Eastern Europe that got into prison because of hooliganism and uh, it just made me think about how much what passion do you have for your club that you can go beyond the limit to even hurt someone else it's pretty yeah. it's pretty pretty dedicational fan you know and uh, I know that there are all kinds of different fans mm. you know when you look into a stadium there are almost a reflection of the society yeah yeah a reflection of like also different types of fans there are uh, different types of people there are yeah you know but they are all there to support the team exactly more or less even if you're you know have normal standard seats if you have really good seats right up against the field behind the players yeah. or if you're right in the middle of the field you get yeah. a good view or box seats or supporters section you know and like, even on the top right and even on the top so and uh, there is such a diversity among soccer fans yeah. all kinds of different types of fans different personalities backgrounds some are teachers some are lawyers some are doctors you know some are soccer coaches I think it's funny whenever you hear of uh, a teacher. I'm pretty sure I've heard had teachers in the past that uh, it's like they you see them every day as a teacher and they're yeah. you know strict of teaching stuff you know uh, disciplined. But then you hear <laughs> of their everyday life outside of uh, teaching yeah. and they can be diehard, die crazy yeah. <laughs> lunatics when it comes to supporting your team or yeah. whatever it is that they do. And yeah, dude. Even I have friends that have tattooed on their favorite team on their bodies like there is different shows me right there are different levels of soccer fans i forgot to tell you in fact uh after on after our new york trip or on yeah. the way back once we were at uh, yeah at jfk airport i think right in front of me was a guy with a brucia uh munching gladback tattoo really yeah i forgot to tell you that it's <laughs> on his calf and I just thought, I was, wow, you don't see that very often. Yeah, so. yeah that's impressive, man. That's impressive. I tried to take a picture, but I wasn't able to. Uh, that's impressive. Like, you know, I, I won't go that far. Yeah, I probably won't either. I won't go that far. But there are fans that do it. Yeah. And, um, you know, because that you have a Arsenal tattoo doesn't make me a bad Arsenal supporter. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think when you look into the stadium, there's all kinds of personalities and diverse people right and uh, even the people that covers the games yeah yeah i mean all different types of ways to get out match reports to get out interviews all different sort of mediums or media yeah that, yeah that, you know, can be used as platforms to getting the news out there I mean, internet and blogs yeah. are something that you follow. Right. And uh, television, of course. Of some course. Teams have, some teams have their own channel. Oh, yeah. Their own, like, station. Like, yeah, you haven't seen, like, Barcelona TV. Exactly. Real Madrid TV dude, and stuff. So. When, whenever we went to Turkey, I was like, Fenerbahce TV. Exactly. Dude, I, I really loved it, man. <laughs> I really loved it. That's, that's right. That's right. And then you have classics. 
newspaper, radio, Oof. magazines. Yeah, they started with newspaper. Yeah, like really Not, like, start with like telegrams. You know, you think that Morse code? <laughs> Morse code, <laughs> Morse no, code between the final of ninety twenty three. Yeah, <laughs> it started with like magis like newspaper magazines, yeah. right? The yeah. live scores. Now we have on the app. I yeah. you know I remember <laughs> I remember I downloaded the summary of the 2007's uh, Champions League final for two dollars on my on my phone back then. And it, it, <laughs> really? and now you just go on YouTube and you get the summary yeah. immediately of the game. So we are so much closer to the game, yeah. but we are also so much more diverse collectively. But yet we're in the stadium together for uh, for this one team, um, and uh, me and you, we mm -hmm. got the chance to explore two different ways to experience a right. soccer game, didn't we? Right. We were at the Atlanta United game this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, I was there in the supporter section. Yes. Uh, which is something I've been curious about. We talked about it. If not, we should. If whether or not we should get season tickets in the supporters section or just like yeah uh, on the side um so i was glad to finally get that experience and uh get a sense of that dedication mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. you know it was wild to say the least but very fun and i'd do it again i'd recommend it yeah uh you what did you do i went to a friend of mine brendan he has tickets at the mercedes-benz club member tickets you know so we were high, right high end yeah high end kind of we were at the row eight in the almost at the midfield right by the columbus crew bench mm. but so close to the field so you can hear them talk you can see the details when they uh, take that one touch make that pass or actually what they looking at to do and you know maybe they do it or not right. so you're so much close you're so much closer to the field so we got two totally different soccer experiences and uh, we are reporting it in a very new and fresh medium podcast welcome to Oscotch and King soccer podcast show, show. I met up with Brendan we took a lift together to go to the stadium okay mm. we sat in the car discussing about discussing about the game but also hoping that it wouldn't rain like at that time it wasn't raining at all mm. but earlier that day like maybe an hour before it was pouring rain where were you by then Kerry we were so we had left my friend's house my friend Kevin's house it was by the way me some of us from high school and a college friend as well. So it was like five of us. Two of them were going to their first game. Mm. So Kevin, myself, and Josh were uh, regulars. Yeah. So, so we showed them the experience for the first time. But at that point, so we left Kevin's house 
and we were at the train station at Marta station. We were in fact in the middle of our train ride on the way to the uh, tailgate at okay. uh, the varsity. So that's because it was raining then. I noticed. I remember looking out the window and seeing. I remember at one point looking out the window and it was like dry. It was nothing. And then like a couple minutes later, I look at the window again and it was soaking wet. So. <laughs> was the train, was it packed with Atlanta supporters in the train? Packed. I wouldn't say packed. Yeah. But um, like I've been in trains on the way to soccer games before where it was packed with everyone going to the game. So you were early. Is that why? Or is it just... Uh... I mean, I, I guess so. We pl- planned on it like that. We wanted to get to the tailgate like an hour before or so. So that might have been it. But there were good numbers, good numbers. There was at least somewhere between 30 and 50 that okay, we saw the, whole, bad, the whole time. Not bad, not bad. I mean, uh, me and Brendan got off the cab and started to walk to the stadium. And um, it's something special, you know, like it was 44,000 people mm. at the game. Yeah. And uh, I happened to see sometimes people that I know. Somehow I like that when that happens. Yeah, me too. I like when I meet someone that I know and recognize and can just say hi and talk about the game too. So we kind of, I happened to see that and that was fun. But there was a big line to our section. How, around how early? Um, uh, no, we, we got there like at least, um, half hour before. Okay. And, uh, but when we arrived, there was a big line to start from, you know, that corner section when you come from the bridge, almost all the way up to right. the section. I didn't so did you, sorry, did you walk essentially like the same way whenever we've gone against exactly. the yes. same way? Yes, on that side. But uh, this time it was a big line to get into that gate. So me and Brendan, we just passed this line. But as I heard, I don't know how it was for you, but as I heard, they opened the gate a little bit late. So for us, it was a little bit stressful because we heard the national anthem while we were on the line to uh, get in. Yeah, right? wow. So um, it's not because we arrived late, it was just that line outside was so wow. long and wow. I heard they heard, uh, opened the gates late. I don't know how it was for you. Oh, we didn't really experience it that any any sort of congestion or any sort of trouble like that. Nothing normal. The congestion was normal. What yeah. you normally experience going to a big game or going to a sporting event. But uh, no, not particularly. We got after we got off the train, we got to the tailgate. We were there for maybe not too long, maybe twenty twenty five minutes or so. Um, Kevin and Josh are both members of Resurgence, the supporters okay. group. Yeah, and. Uh, they want. They're looking for a lot of their their you know the group where the group was going to be stationed at the tailgates. But they noticed that they most they most of them had already left kind of early to start the march for the match, mm-hmm. along with some other supporters groups. Um, march so, to the match. That's right. I know. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Is that not a normal saying? Uh, is that just an American saying for soccer? I don't know. March to the match. Because yeah, that's like a big term in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, we wanted to be a part of that, so we left. And uh, we were with the good number of the supporters group uh, members. Um, I mean, I saw a video afterwards, and it's like a lot of drums, a lot of yeah. singing, a lot of playing. And uh, how, were you guys like near that type yeah. of atmosphere when everybody's like kind of lined up and slowly walked towards yeah. the stadium? Is that is that was exactly we were right by them. Um, 
right next to them most of the time and then right behind them because they were I don't know but they sort of led the way and we just followed Rick right behind how, how did he sound <laughs> sounded really interesting man there's definitely a unique thing i think that's soccer gets that you don't get a whole lot in other sports mm-hmm. they were drumming a lot of drumming uh like you know those like symbols or not symbols but like it sounded like maybe a triangle or i don't know what it was but something like, <laughs> like a ding ding yeah yeah, yeah yeah uh along with the beat of the drum and you have people jumping and chanting and singing right uh and people have Tons of big flags and banners oh. and those those big blow up cardboard faces of of Joseph Martinez and some of the others. I love that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> some of them are like really funny images of their face. It's like yeah. they, they get their image of of a player that's making the weirdest face, and they're just like waving around. But uh, but yeah, that was good. And then uh, this wasn't like super long march. We walked for maybe two minutes to get to the stadium and not not a lot of trouble getting in didn't take long okay really at all for us but we were on the like opposite side of where you were so what side of the supporter section were you on so because there's a is on the entire short side of the soccer field right yeah of one of the one of the goals one of the goals so it was behind uh yeah one of the goals the goal luckily it was right across from the big tv um also, you know how at Bobby Dodd Stadium, they like the top, top, top is being like, closed. Yeah, closed. Yeah. So we were right under that section, right uh, behind the goal um, section one fifteen. That's where we mm. happen to be sitting. But it's all general admission there, so it's pretty much just first come, first serve. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, so you don't have really a seat. No, that's how it should be too. Yeah, that's how it should be too. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I mean, as soon as we entered the stadium, we went straight to the beer line. And so, I didn't know this, but there's like on the second floor, there's, um, they sell beers on the second floor too. So, you know, like as soon as you come in on the left up there, there's also like the selling beers and the line is way shorter because people don't really know about it. <laughs> and now they know. <laughs> God damn it. Oops. Now they know. And, um. Uh, we got it and we went down. I didn't expect that our seats would be that good. Mm. You know, I didn't expect, you know, it felt like to forever to just go down the stairs, go down among these people and just go walk, 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 walk down all the way to the row eight. So you got the seats or Brandon got the seats in anticipation for uh, the move to Mercedes Benz. Exactly. But so how was that like transition? Because it was a would there be similar sort of seats at Mercedes-Benz as there were at Bobby Dodd? I have a good or... question. Good question. What exactly, yeah. like, how were the seats? What was so special about that? I mean, the special about his just tickets. Like the location? This, yeah, cool. yeah. The special about his tickets is, is Mercedes-Benz club member tickets, right? But what he gets with that, eventually, when they go to Mercedes-Benz, is that our entire section is kind of closed for them. So, but... 
you enter that section through a room and in that room there are drinks there are food maybe family members or you know people that want to experience or have their own section basically right and uh, at this stadium it was more like in public but you could tell by the surrounding that it is people with that type of gotcha. membership right and why do I say that it was because it was you know a little bit it was not stiff dude it was not stiff okay. but uh, at one point there was like two loud Americans like two obnoxious guys that was kind of heckling a player that was down by saying like oh you're not injured you, that was not even a tackle you were beep you know what I mean mm. and there's like families and uh, one guy got mad and went to him and kind of tried to shit down so you know you hear what people kind of discuss. You hear people talking. You hear people so kind of... A bit more, uh, I guess, relaxed or so? It's... Well, people are... Not like people are necessarily just sitting there and not really caring, bored or something. Unless that is how yeah, it is. Yeah, I wouldn't say relaxed because people are still kind of tense because the game is going on, right? Uh-huh. But people are not as passionate right. in screaming and yelling and cussing and you know that type of thing it's more like observing and cheering right. and clapping Which come on fun, yeah. yeah and uh, i was the one that was loudest when the viking champ came mm. i don't know you are in the supporter section so you tell me how that sounded man i mean i mean the games that we've been to in the past we're lucky enough that everyone is you get all types of fans there, but everyone is standing. Everyone is very much involved. Yeah. And so that everyone around us is still pretty eager to do the Viking clap. Um, doing it in Oof. the supporter section. Yes. Where <laughs> everyone's more like more coordinated, packed. right? Yes, it is. Everyone's more packed. And you yeah. can see once the capo, the guy that leads, stands on top and like leads okay. the chance. Yeah. You can see once he's like getting ready. <laughs> or trying to get everyone ready to start yeah. the Viking clap. And it's like... I saw him gesturing around like everyone be quiet stay still stay calm and then everyone sees that and then is quiet for a second <laughs> and it's just so weird inside the supporter section because That's you're cool. always chanting and yelling and screaming so then for it to be quiet for a minute or, so, or not a minute but like a few seconds yeah. or so it's kind of surreal it totally is. it's so strange yeah. <laughs> but then everyone everyone starts it and it's just it's just the the supporters group at first hey T L and the claps, um, so and, but the, then the rest of the fans, the so, rest of the stadium catches so on pretty quick. I, so, how was that like? Because once you st- guys started, you know, I looked to my left and I'm like, okay, now we go. So I started. I was kind of the, kind of the only one in mm-hmm. my section, but I really screamed from my guts. Yeah, like I really took in from my toes, from my body, <laughs> from my chest for my throat and was just screaming a t l you know like and uh it was kind of people kind of started follow with me right you know but how was it for you to kind of start it together with your atlanta united fans yeah and friends and then (laughs) see rest of the stadium kind of catch up that was the cool thing seeing starting it 
And then I did. I looked around the rest of the stadium uh, whenever we did it, and I saw pretty much everybody. Or, yeah, for the most part, everybody from what I could tell. I'm sure there's some people I didn't, but everyone else kind of doing it as well. And I could see pretty good, you know, unity. Mm. Good timing. Remember mm. we talked earlier about yeah. how, yeah, it's going to be something that we're going to have to work on <laughs> yeah. uh, early on. Uh, but I think the, I don't know how it was with you, but for me, I think, from what I can tell, I think the whole fan base as a whole is really starting to yeah. catch on and embrace the Viking Club. Let's hear how it sounded this time. I mean, there's moments like this, it's instances like this with the chanting and, that, and all of that that makes me so proud. We've talked about it before. It makes yeah. me so proud yeah. of the city and how much it's embraced the, the mm. team, how much the fans are really getting into it. Still, after, I don't know how many home games this has been, but like seven or so, five, six or seven home games, yeah. and still sold out every time, people standing all the time, people are joining in with the chants, and so... During the game, it just got me thinking while we were doing the Viking clap or while we were doing the ATL, just a typical ATL chant or whatever, um, how really intimidating it must be for away fans or an away place. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. to come into an environment yeah. like this. Yeah. Where everyone is backing the home team and it's so loud and passionate. Uh, it just really. I, I was thinking about but, that. But, you know, I was thinking about how intimidating it could also be for your own players. Yeah. Because we had uh, a couple of people on, on that I could hear, maybe not exactly, exactly in our section, but they were heckling kind of, heckling mirrors because he had a couple of bad touches, a couple of bad passes, and they were like, come on, mirrors, get yourself together, you know, like... Uh, doesn't really sound like it. Sound maybe it's supported, but it doesn't really sound like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but how it can also be a little bit put a little bit nervousness in them. But once we start cheering, that's the point, right? Right. Like being supported by cheering. The more you go to these live games, the more you understand the real meaning of cheering. And we are very thankful for having this opportunity in our city. Like, I look to my right, there is a family. There is a wife, husband, and two kids. Me, Brandon. Mm. Then is an old guy. Like, he could easily be 70. Mm. He's there with his wife, his son, 
and son's uh, wife and their daughter. That is the entire family right there. Mm -hmm. Behind us is young couple. In front of us is two girls kissing, and uh, and uh, on the side you have uh, on the side you have uh, again kids and there's like all types of uh, all types of uh, age you know yeah. all types of age and here we are cheering together and cheering man it was like you guys were screaming Atlanta. And we were screaming, United. Yeah. You were screaming, Atlanta. And we were screaming, United. And I'll just look around uh, at this diversity of people I have around me. And all of us are like holding our fist hard and just like skeaking, uh, screaming, United. United. Like everyone really everybody is united. Like at that everybody. Time like that. And, uh, you know, that has to be a lot of motivation, encouragement for the players. But I felt with like my entire being like this is what it means to cheer you know yeah, this is really like cheering like supporting encouraging and uh, I kind of decided by then that man Oz you should do the same to yourself what do you mean by that I mean like there is so many out there right they're kind of hard on their self they're kind of down negative they kind of more self um, don't really look the things at the bright side. They're right. more or less bullying themselves. They're really like hard on themselves. They're really not so easy with themselves. Yeah, and yeah. you know, what if everybody kind of could cheer for themselves in that way? Like cheer that, uh, come on, you can do it. Let's go. You know, yes, you're the best. Come on, have patience. Like kind of cheer. For yourself, you know, be optimistic. There is still a lot of time left, right. you know. Um, but it was very beautiful to be in that moment with this diverse group of people, and everybody was screaming, "United!" Yeah, man, that's beautiful, man. I mean, I, I like to hear what that sounds like. I like to hear that passion, that diverse yet unified passion. I think I even. Heard you in the background, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was that loud. You were that loud. You were screaming, Atlanta! I was screaming, United! Basically, my seats are where I stood, basically, right? You can totally see, like, what the wrong decision was, you know? Atlanta had two good positions on the right side where Gressler came and uh, didn't really take the opportunity to score. And I was like, why don't you cut more straight? Why don't you cut more straight to the goal? He went more down the line and tried to make a pass to Almiron. It was... Was it a pass? Right. Was it a shot? Yeah. You know, but from my angle, it was like a perfect opportunity to go straight to the goal. And uh, when that first goal came by, you know, the blooper from the defender that yeah. got the ball, it was like, it might 
knew, but bro, it was like perfect. <laughs> where I saw he's going to place that ball like you do in FIFA on the far post on yeah. the ground. Yeah. You know, it was perfect. It was like almost I had the remote control and just pushed the buttons to him to place it right there. And super nice to get that first goal, man. Really nice. How about the first goal for Columbus Crew? Because that happened right that in front, right of, front you of me. Yeah. yeah. That, so that sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, once... We were all euphoric from the first goal, and then I think it was around 10 minutes later, I believe, that Columbus came down, and it was just sort of came out of nowhere, too. Just a quick attack, uh, got the ball down the right side, ball crossed in, and then the defenses, one or two of the defenders were kind of scrambling, weren't able to get it away. The ball just dropped perfectly to Iguain right there, and just pokes it home. Nothing, nothing Alakon could do. And so at that point, Everyone threw their hands up in sort of disappointment, and then they didn't really say anything. They were just sort yeah. of quiet. And so that that was awkward and sucked. <laughs> yeah. But then, and I was I was lucky enough to hear this on TV afterwards. Okay. Because they showed the replay, because I was curious to see how it sounded on TV as well. After maybe 10 seconds of that goal being scored, and you see the Columbus players going celebrating in the corner and such, right. that's once they suddenly heard the chance of A-T-L. Mm. A-T-L mm. and then it was like everyone was just willing the team to don't get discouraged get it right back and I was I guess you could say pleased or proud that it didn't really start from yeah. the supporter section I just heard it off to my right somewhere yeah. on one of the on the, uh, the long end one of the you know, stands on the long side of the pitch and everyone just joined in and that was got people going again very important role that exactly. we have exactly i mean even though we have two totally different experience from this game in two different areas of the stadium yet together we kind of contribute with the momentum right yeah. like it, it, you could be quiet for a couple of minutes maybe five minutes ten minutes and kind of wait on what's going to happen and then start cheering but now you kind of got back immediately yeah to cheer for the team. And to be honest, we got to give credit to all the Atlanta United fans that turned up and did it because it was not an easy game. No, it was a tough game. Columbus it was a tough had, game. Especially that first half, yeah. Columbus had chances. They had sure. chances and in second half, they also had possession. Yeah, true. It seemed Atlanta was happy to, I don't know if they were happy to, but they ended up just sort of conceding possession. I was talking with my friend Kevin right, and we were saying that don't like this pressure that Columbus mm. is putting on, mm. putting on us. To be honest, throughout the whole game, I said, or I told him that throughout the whole game up to this point, it seemed like it was a game where both teams were taking turns pressuring the other. Columbus put on a lot of pressure in the first half, but then there are moments like with Vialba's goal yeah. uh, to start things off where Atlanta suddenly had the pressure and momentum, but then come the second half, Columbus is suddenly putting on the pressure again. So it's very back and forth. It was, it was, it was. And, uh, you know, we were discussing that Almiron needs to step up. Mm. You know, in first half, he was invisible. He didn't get yeah. the ball that much, didn't do that many touches. The one time when he tried to make a pass, he was too long. He runs, well, kind of off. So in first half, he was a little bit invisible. But, you know, what they say, great players doesn't necessarily have to do a great game, yeah. but they have to score and they have to show up when it most matters. Exactly. And uh, Almiron took the ball like literally like right in front of me. 
<laughs> dribbled, I think, one play and started to run with the ball. Yeah. And he's running, 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 and no one's really checking on him, you know? I mean, he had, no. I mean, he had like, two guys, like, on him. Yeah. That he's, like, fighting off. Fighting off, but not really coming, not coming at him. Not, right. not coming at him. Right. Once someone came at him, it was, like, almost right outside, right on the line on the penalty box. And, you know, he took a shot. I was, like, lame. <laughs> you know, like, I was, like, lame. You know, that was a lame shot uh, uh, that he hit. How was it when he when you saw him coming towards the goal? Because he came on your right yeah. side towards yeah, the goal. Yeah, he was basically coming like right at me. He was like, I saw you. <laughs> I'm like coming directly, for you, Jerry. Yeah, directly in I'm on my me. way. <laughs> and the way he was running, I was scared because he was like fighting off two guys, like I <laughs> yeah. said. So he was coming at me with, with heat. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, because there were two guys on him, like you said, no one was really coming at him. But he was striking off two guys and he's not like the strongest, most physically imposing player. So... Uh, very quick though, but so I, I think the whole supporter section seemed to be a little bit hopeful. Yeah, but it was like a little bit of hope. No one, it wasn't I think like, a lot it of wasn't, people were expecting him to lose the ball there or something. Or yeah, it wasn't. It, w- it wasn't like everybody was like, <gasps> no, exactly. It was like okay, maybe something can happen here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I was actually the same. I think you got a better view from me than me of the shot, but once he did hit the ball i was like for a split second i was like he didn't hit that with a lot of conviction Uh -uh, a lot of power it seemed he just sort of hit it just because he was afraid he was going to lose the ball but man Man. was that goal was the ball settled into that corner yeah we were like up and jumping man and and, uh, oh that was a good feeling everyone that was probably the most crazy everyone was the entire game throughout everything that happens after that moment Everything that happens before that moment, everyone went nuts once he scored that goal. And, Describe uh, that more. Like, how is it when everybody goes well, nuts? Well, it's wet because there's a lot of beer flying around. So. Okay. Did you get a? Did you get a chunk of beer? Yeah. You you drank some in the air? <laughs> no, I didn't. No. I didn't catch it. <laughs> that would be incredible. But uh, but I mean, no one cares. It's just part and parcel of yeah. The, of but everyone's just jumping up and down. To be honest, everyone's standing, right? Everyone's standing on top of, like, the bleachers. Little bleachers. And it's packed. And you're jumping up and down. And there's, like, a one or two feet drop to the <laughs> next one. Yeah. To the next one. Yeah. So there's it's a little nervous, <laughs> nerve-wracking once you're packed like that and you're jumping up and down. And uh, before the game started, I was like, I know for sure if, if Atlanta scores, I'm going to like fall off these bleachers <laughs> and maybe fall into someone else. Uh, luckily, I didn't fall into other people, but I or I did it, almost did a couple times. But yeah, you definitely lose your balance. You kind of oh, you have man. to be careful while you're Hold jumping. Hold on to each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after that goal, dude, like everybody went nuts. But now it's the real kind of nervousness that hit. Uh, Atlanta United subbed Almiron. Yeah. And went down on a four-four-two formation. Uh, they brought in Joseph Martinez. And let me say, at this point, yeah, they were the Atlanta subs were warming up right in front of us. Yeah, they were. Yeah, is that cool? That was pretty cool I because bet, whenever man. you saw them, especially whenever I saw like Martinez, yeah, do a sprint and then like jog back, it was like by himself. 
um, if they're taking turns or something. So that 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 always grew a cheer from other from people in the supporter section and throughout. They're pretty interesting, but no, throughout uh throughout the game, I can't remember if the rest of the fans were. Maybe they were, but definitely in the supporter section, people were chanting Martinez's name and couldn't wait for him to come on. I mean, he came on. My opinion was that they should have taken out Assad because he was so tired. He, yeah. he was so tired. And keep Almiron. And, uh, I was thinking take out uh, Gressel, to be, in my opinion. Yeah. And then keep that those four, because those four are V4. For oh, right yeah, they did D4. But Assad was tired and they kept playing him, right? And Almiron yeah. went out. And now they had such a possession. Like they had the ball. Atlanta more or less just kind of protected the goal they were more defensively mindset mm-hmm. they kind of tried to do some counterattacks, but nothing really happened and brandon before the game i need to tell you this brandon before the game did actually bet on the game oh uh, yeah so, yeah he did bet on the game and not you know is a good bet a good amount of money and uh, he bet on that both teams would score and atlanta will win so when that second goal came, it was like, you know, we went nuts, right? Mm. And then his second bet was 3-1 to Atlanta. Mm. So now it's like, I don't know, it's like 80th minute or something, and Atlanta's leading 2-1, but they barely have any chance, any ball possession. They're not even trying, dude. Right. And we are telling him, like, dude, this is the time for us to work in this bet. Like, we have to, we have to, you know, I want to cuss here, but you, we have to cheer now. All right. You know, and we both of us start yelling, "Come, let's go!" And then you know, we just like, <laughs> "Come on, guys! Come on, boys!" We are just screaming. Do it for Brandon. Go like, go, do it for this <laughs> bet, man. We want to go. Ah, oh, we, you know, <laughs> and uh, we just cut, keep kind of cheering, and uh, we really, really, really hoping that Lana would score one more goal because. Honestly, I really miss betting. Yeah. I used to bet a lot when I lived in Sweden. I used to bet for almost every game I watched. And the sweetness of winning a bet in a game that you watch live, especially if it's exciting, it's different. And now it felt like I was a part of this bet. Mm. You know, I didn't get the money or anything, but I felt like I did this bet. Right. So now it reminded me on the back in the days when it was, you know, legal where I lived to bet. Mm. And we were like just cheering and cheering and cheering. So you can imagine when Joseph Martinez scored a 3-1 goal. <laughs> I was like, like just getting nuts and jumping on my spot. It's so nice feeling, you know, like just see that happen because it kind of was unexpected, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it came off of... Uh... A moment where Atlanta was pressing again, and like you said, up until most of that point, after the after Almiron scored, yeah, Atlanta seemed content to sit back a little. So to ha- see them pressuring yeah. like they usually do throughout all season was kind of it was a rare time that they did that in the second half, and yeah, it came from I think uh, Kevin Kratz, one of the substitutes, pressuring that ball, pressing the defender, similar to. Uh, the Alba's goal. Yeah. And the ball just poked free to, yeah. to Martinez and he just hammered that Ooh. ball, man. Hammered that ball with Top his left net. Oh, yeah. Boom. Oh, yeah. 
uh, right by the keeper's like face. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we went crazy again. That sealed the deal. I think it was late on. It was like eighty eighth minute, maybe something like that. But but it's cool to go to a game in front of two different fan experiences. But then when we come home, you know, you can go into the Facebook to Atlanta United fan groups or even Atlanta United's own page. Yeah. And you can go to Instagram. They have their own Snapchat. They have their own ways to kind of report the game. And uh, you can also go into YouTube and see the summary or something that you do very often go on to MLS.com yeah. and read sure the articles, that, that right? Yeah. I, yeah, I did that that night just to see. Uh, it's nice to see what... I guess the analysts have to say around the report and then see what fans, how they comment on what went down. Um, it's an interesting read, isn't it? Oh yeah. oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was, yeah, it was interesting to read what the, you know, the analysts say about what you're feeling. It's like them reporting, putting into words, putting onto paper or onto typing onto a screen right. or whatever, what you're feeling or what you're thinking. Yeah. Um, or what you saw at the or, game. Yeah, what you, what you saw. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they type or they write the exact opposite of what you think. But it's fun to it's fun to read. <laughs> it's fun to witness a game yeah. and be like, oh, Atlanta was great. Even if it was a tough game against Columbus. But Atlanta was great. All three of Atlanta's designated players scored. Mm. Martinez came back from injury and right. scored. <laughs> right. So important, yeah. So... It's like you're on such a high, and then to see other people, see experts just sort of solidify that with, with, with their writing, it's really cool. And when I was young, it wasn't like you went on social media to read the latest updates, or even like go on to MLS.com type of pages, right? You were buying every month a magazine. I mean, yes, you knew on the day-to-day newspapers what was going on. Of course, there was internet. But there was something special with those magazines that were totally entitled for soccer, in the soccer world. It could be news from all over the world, different perspectives, different takes, and interesting stories, but very, very well-done stories. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was kind of like the inspiration that I looked for every month to go and buy this magazine to read what was going on. You got a couple, right? You got like 442, you got like Soccer Bible. There's different ways. Um, but when I moved to US, there was one that really stood out. All right. One that really stood out. And uh, it was 8x8 magazine. What do you know about them? What is it that stood out to you about them? Um, well, what stood out to me was that they are doing a magazine very far out. It's very artistic. It's very designed like, and there is a good design on the pictures and in the articles and the take they have on the different stories. It's very interesting, especially in a world where magazine industry is dying. Mm, they have yeah. put a niche to it. They're very artistic, like I said. So it kind of gets your attention. But even how they write the stories are very well done. You know, they're really good class journalists that write these articles because they are really in-depth. So once you start reading it, 
you can't stop. Mm. And eight by eight, you know, they're not only doing magazines, but they also like kind of have their own brand where they sell like caps, you know, jerseys, maybe, maybe even scarves. So it's a very fascinating company that really promotes soccer from different perspectives in a paper form. They can also buy online edition, of course, to read on iPad or on your phone, right? And our special guests for today's episode of Oz Kachin King Soccer Podcast Show are Grace Lee and Robert Priest, who are the founders, directors, they're the people behind 8x8 Magazine. And we are very eager to talk to our guests to know what got them started, mm. where they want to go, and we also want to thank them for providing us with such an amazing magazine. Martinez cutting off the return pass, encouraging the state. Here's Martinez. Oh, it's 3 1. It's all over. The three points are at Matthew United. What a finish. Exactly what you want to see out of Joseph Martinez. These fans are feeling it. Grace and Robert, and welcome them to the show. Hello, Priest and Grace. Hey, Robert and Grace, how are you? This is Oz. Hi, Oz. How are you? Grace is here. Grace is here. The dog is in in its place. <laughs> Good. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Good morning, Grace. Okay. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being a part of the Oz, Koch, and King Sucker Podcast show. Um, we want to straight go to the questions because we are really curious about how 8x8 Magazine really started. How, how do, because you both are the founders, so how do you know each other and how did this idea come to alive? Okay, well, we... we... 
we've both were designers and we were working together um, at a company called Condé Nast on a, a magazine called Condé Nast Portfolio. And we decided when that folded to work together. And mm. uh, we started a company called Priest and Grace, which was a design company. Yep. But because um, we wanted to have some projects of our own to do, we, we thought about how we could do something that wouldn't rely on a client bringing us, but it would be something that we wanted desperately to do ourselves. And uh, I, I grew up with soccer. Grace actually didn't do that. <laughs> but, uh, I grew up with soccer in England. Um, where originally I was a Chelsea fan and then strangely switched my allegiances to Manchester United. Oh, wow. But I've always loved the game and, um, you know, it's something that we've always wanted to do. Um, so we started a magazine, actually prior to this one, with uh, another magazine called Howler with um, Oh, right. Okay. Um, and that sort of was an interesting experience that... Um, taught us a lot of things, but it taught us that we wanted to work together, just the two of us, and we decided to start a new magazine called 8x8, and this is what, four years ago now, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, I would be the editor, and, and, and Grace would basically run the show and design, and be the designer, and uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> the, that's the very short version of how we got here. Was it, uh, was it kind of... I don't know, intimidating at all? Because you're based in New York City, you're running a soccer magazine. Given the the you know stance that or, that soccer has in the U.S., was it intimidating at all running a soccer magazine in the U.S.? Well, I think that you know there, there was that element where you you're not sure how you'll be received, but um, you know, literally every year um, we've been doing this football seems to have grown uh, incrementally in this country and right. we yeah. you know this it's not like if you're asking if there's some sort of stigma i don't i don't think so anymore there are you know in, in new york city it just seems to be full of arsenal fans actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's so many people who have um their favorite premier league teams and also they watch mls regularly and um you know and that's uh, and, and that's just one part of the, the population of course there's an unbelievable amount of um uh you know latin fans uh, who um support their teams regularly i mean if you if you get two south american teams playing at metlife stadium or something like that it'll right. sell out you know yeah. hundred thousand people so i you know it's 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 just really a question of having, you know, this grows more and, and, and people sort of start accepting it a little bit more than they do now. But um, I, I, I've seen things change so dramatically in the last four years, did not you say, Greg? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we see the big support for Atlanta United here in Atlanta. And me and Kerry went to New York a couple of weeks ago and... Um, we saw also a lot of Arsenal yeah. fans too. We can attest to that claim. It's <laughs> yeah. full of Arsenal yeah. fans, New York. <laughs> and uh, you just mentioned that uh, you got, you know, you have a designer background. And um, for our listeners that don't really know how the Eight by Eight magazine is, I tried to describe it earlier. But Grace, can you just shortly describe why? 
why should people read the magazine? I know the competition out there in magazine life world is very hard, but what differentiate your magazine from other magazines? Well, visually, I think it's incredibly exciting. It's supposed to mimic like the excitement you get when you get at a game show. It's not necessarily formatted like most other publications are. I mean, we have a, you know, we have a really rich and experienced background in magazine designs, and what we wanted to do with this one was to completely break all the rules. Yeah. And, um, uh, I think I think we read to some of that. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, we've broken to a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but I that's that's what I like with eight by eight. I noticed that um, that it almost like brought the industry or the magazine alive again. Um, you have so many different ways to uh, be there. Is a you know digital edition. Um, you have your own brand now you sell caps jerseys and you also say print form is this um, because of your vast experience or this is this just to kind of adapt to the evolution of in, papers and magazine and where it leads um, because I feel like you guys are very innovative um, uh, so how 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 did how did that discussion come about to do all these different components? Several things going on, I think. Um, one, you know, the design itself is a sort of reaction to our the, the Grace mentioned our sort of experience in magazines. It's a reaction to be able to do exactly what we want to do. You're always mm. working as a group and a collaboration in magazines and. Um, you know, as it's just the two of us, we really wanted to hone in on everything that we've not been able to do in the past. And that's manifested itself by us being extremely aggressive with the design in the magazine. Um, it, that's also a reaction to a kind of, you know, countrywide sort of the development of the sort of understated magazine. And we wanted to be the opposite of that. We wanted to be, you know, to challenge the reader, um, you know, to just, I mean, it's, it's easy to read once you start, but you've got to, you know, you've got to find a way into our stories. <laughs> and uh, we, we want to challenge them visually. Um, you know, as Grace said, that the excitement of actually being at the game, and you were just at Atlanta United, you said, I mean, the excitement is so incredible wherever you go, that minute when you walk into the stadium and you see that beautiful green grass. I mean, it's, it's just, it's really sexy, and I feel like that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create, you know, put, put, put all those personalities that combine to make a game what it is into the magazine in the most sort of punchy, uh, well-paced, um, varied way that we can. Beautiful. Yeah, I, mean, when I was looking at your website just the other day, and immediately... <laughs> What popped out to me was the like the, the images that I saw. It was fascinating. I, I was so excited just to see the <laughs> images of of Zidane in his head or of Zlatan like looking like a devil and such, which I just thought looked amazing. Uh, where exactly do these ideas come from? Because I'm not the most artistic person myself, unfortunately. But just they, how do you get these like ideas? They, they sort of come from all of us. Um... You know, um, I, I probably start the process earlier, and Grace is still, you know, running running the actual business. 
but I start the process a, a month or two before we have to get going and assign illustrations generally first. Um, well, stories first, then illustrations. But, um, you know, the criteria we have for illustration, which has, you know, become something of a sort of trademark for us, mm -hmm. we have something like, um, well, up to 15 illustrations, whole page illustrations or spread illustrations in the magazine. Uh, the criteria is that there's got to be a, a good idea or a, or and or a good a perfect likeness of the player. So many mm. so many um, illustrations um, kind of in other magazines we find have, have, have sort of not quite got the illustrations exactly right. The, the likenesses, and we want we, in a way it's sort of a way a way of doing. Um, you know, in other magazines, you might be able to assign photographs a, a lot more than we do of celebrities, etc. But we we use and and for the for the illustrations, you actually can come up with a concept. So mm. you would never get a player to sort of you know walk into a, a kind of concept. They just don't have the time to to deal with a kind of thing. So we can create a political comment or a funny comment about a player or a manager or fans just by how we handle the illustration. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, what about uh, who writes the articles? Do you have people that write the articles? Or can anyone kind of submit a story to you guys? Yes, we have like a pitch process that um, if you go on our website, there is, um, if you wanted to pitch us a story, we have uh, editors that will read it and see if it's interesting. And if it is something interesting, we'd definitely contact you but we do have a roster of writers that we do depend on um for every issue okay okay i was looking again once i was looking the other day i saw one of the articles i read i read the article was fascinated by it it was uh it's really put out a strong message um about the last how the past european championship was the last great you know tournament uh as you know the the this FIFA oh, right, and UEFA right. scene yeah, is yeah, uh yeah. is you know changing right, and then I right. saw the art the the uh, writer at the end. <laughs> um, I just happened to look at him afterwards, and I saw John Doyle. And unless it's someone else with the same name, I remember a book I read a while ago it was written by John Doyle. It sounded very similar, <laughs> and it was one of my favorite books I've ever read. So I was so oh, pleased to see him actually write an article on your website. So, uh, he's, he's interesting because he actually writes about television for the Global Mail newspaper in Toronto. Right. And he's a fantastic critic. Yeah. But being a, being a, a, an Irish guy, he's got a sort of lot of um, basic love for the game. And um, he brings a completely different point of view to, to our, our coverage. And, uh, and he's been an amazing addition um, for the last two or three issues. Um, I, I'm glad you mentioned him because he's 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 really a first-class writer with yeah. wonderful ideas. Mm. Yeah, he's. I mean, once I read that book from, uh, I think it was called "A World Is a Ball" uh, a few years ago, and then once again, once I read the article the other day, it just struck me how much his I don't know his method mm. or his writing style is exactly kind of like what I would like to. You know, portray myself or portray with this podcast or so. It's very cultural. It's very um, uh, like a message he gives across is strong, and he's you know knowledgeable, and he's been around the world, 
And uh, some of the other articles I read as well were very similar with a strong message, a strong uh, writing style. So can you just say, like, uh, what exactly is it that makes a good a good strong message in your guys' eyes? Well, you know, that, that's one of the, you know, the, the learning curve such as it is for me as an editor has been, you know, the, the, the idea of getting writers to have ideas and to put them down, um, you know, in a succinct, clever way. Um, and it's a challenge. I mean, we, I was kind of surprised. Um, you know, it doesn't always work, so we have to work very hard to get the pieces right. Um, uh, you, you mentioned just now that sort of cultural um, idea, and, yeah. and that's something we like to do, sort of that cross-cultural um, idea of perhaps involving soccer with music or right. politics and stuff. So it, it puts it in context of everything else that's out there that might be interesting or affecting you in some way. Right. And I think that's what soccer does. I mean, it's such a, such a great equalizer. Um, it's such a great um, release for so many people. And to be able to write about that and to still hold your attention over, you know, a couple of thousand words, which is something we're doing that not many other magazines can do nowadays, is to spend, you know, 2,000 to 3,000 words on a story um, two or three times an issue. It's it allows us to be able to speak to issues in the in the in the football world that need addressing, you know. Right, that's the art itself. Yeah, expanding on that, would you say that you're not afraid to tackle stories that are kind of like niche stories, like you mentioned, music or art, uh, uh, as you know, its relation to soccer. Um, also, I saw articles about who was it? Uh, I think it was the pitch. This, the pitch at the stadium of, uh, I think, Southampton, I believe, or was it Sunderland? Um, I mean, it's Southampton. It's not Chelsea or Manchester United mm -hmm. or Arsenal or mm -hmm. Barcelona or something right. like that. So I'm, it seems to me that you're willing to tackle all aspects of soccer, all clubs, not necessarily just the big guys, because even the smaller guys have a story that could affect us as well. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's all about that mix when you have you know the Arsenal's and Chelsea's, Barcelona's and Real. And you can mix it with, you know, not exactly smaller stories, but just different kinds of stories. And I think we're doing that a little bit more now, where we're um, opening it up to, um, you know, just literally everything. Um, in in this next issue, we're we're going to be talking about uh, kind of an interesting story about this Brazilian player who. Um, who, who got on four Brazilian teams, but actually never played any games. He, he, oh, wow. he just wanted to join. He just wanted to join uh, a Brazilian soccer team so he could meet women. <laughs> <laughs> Samba. Instead of being able to play, which he wasn't very good at, he he sort of feigned injuries and stuff like that once he got onto the team. So he actually never got onto the field, but he still was able to meet. Women. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a different, again, a different take. Um, that was a sort of slightly different time, you yeah. know, maybe um, a couple of decades ago. But it's still, you know, it's still got that resonance. But you know, after after a steady diet of um, Mourinho and Wenger, you you you, you need the break. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, uh, 
one of the many reasons why we appreciate what you guys do is that we kind of feel that we we kind of understand track. Um, we try to cover different perspectives of soccer, different voices, different uh, lifestyles, and different areas. Um, it could be talking about Premier League, the big games, but we also try to bring in interviews. We try to understand how it is for players, how it is for coaches, but really give a voice for us fans too. So we really appreciate what you guys doing. And Grace, um, what would you say is the future for 8 by 8 um, You guys have been really getting established now in the industry. How do you see in a couple of years from now? Where are you guys heading? Global domination. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I, think, I, I think what we want to do is expand in more mediums, actually. You know, ideally in the future, we would want to do uh, you know a few more issues a year. We would want to expand up to and look into, into doing videos and podcasts as well, and expanding the merchandise and making it a real brand. Yeah. Um, and kind of dominating the whole soccer world in America and, and overseas. Of course. <laughs> One of the things that is happening with us is that clubs now, you know, some, some fairly major clubs um, see the magazine um, and like it and are, are being, you know, beginning to sort of allow their players to spend a bit of time with us, um, mm. which, you know, as, a, as a, basically a startup magazine, over the last three years, it's it, it's a process. You know, it just doesn't happen immediately. People have to see several issues and, and get used to the idea of how we um, deal with things. Um, but you know, we we're beginning to get some very good relationships with clubs both here and in Europe. We get to crack South America, but um, it, it's going to come, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're eventually, our plans are to, you know, travel the world to South America, Asia, Europe, obviously, Africa, wherever, and, I mean, get those, especially places like Africa or Asia where it's less talked about than, you know, the soccer scene is less talked about than Europe or South America. And uh, we want really to be in the right? we want to be in the most remote place in the world and play soccer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm just watching Cameroon versus Chile uh, yeah. the other the weekend, and I love that Cameroon team. They just, I mean, apart from anything else, they're so enthusiastic. Right. Love their uniforms. Actually, wonderful uniforms, and it was a terrific game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, they bring they bring a. Uh, a sort of yeah enthusiasm just like you said or sort of style to spice in spice yeah <laughs> spiciness to the to the game that different countries don't bring yeah yeah so we're definitely gonna explore more and it sounds like you you will also explore more and um, let's aim high and we really appreciate that you wanted to join us Karchin King Soccer Podcast Show thank you so much Robert and Grace thank you very much for having us Thank you so much. Thank you so much. When can we when can we expect the next issue? <laughs> um, coming out at the beginning of the European season, the first awesome. week in August. Awesome. Beautiful. Beautiful. We're gonna definitely get one each. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thank you once again, Grace and Robert, for joining us on the show. It was great talk to ah, talk to you. Really good, really uh, good, really, really, good. really unique. Yeah, different. 
way of providing knowledge to to Americans, to the world even. Um, I've been always curious about how that industry works. How are they working? Like you asked, where do you get the ideas? Where do you get the inspiration, right? Yeah. And uh, they gave us a really good picture. Yeah, the... I think it's that they get that inspiration. They have their content is so diverse. It's so, mm. you know, multicultural, multinational. Right. They really get people that go through all sorts of experiences and then they write about them. Yeah. Experiences like, you know, going into seating, going into a, uh, a big game and sitting with the ultras or the supporters group or whichever for the first time. Um, which is different from sitting anywhere else in the stadiums. For isn't that isn't that true? <laughs> it's true, man. You were at the supporter section during the Atlanta United game against Columbus Crew. Yeah, and I was more in the middle of the stadium, row eight, and we had two different experiences, two different eyes, and we saw the game from two different angles. But what do we realize? What I'm, do we take out of this uh, compar- comparison? I mean, what I take is that even though the experiences were so different, yeah, the whole stadium, doesn't matter where you're sitting, were all united in in their passion for the game, their passion for the club. And I think that's what's great about fans, about yes going to a game even if you're not going to game but yeah. just about enjoying a game is it doesn't matter if you're in the supporters section uh starting all the chants you know uh screaming throughout the entire game <laughs> or if you're sitting in in with the box seats exactly. or, or in or just a normal normal seats wherever you are it doesn't matter where you're sitting everyone's cheering together at the same time and uh i think that's what really brings us something that brings us together and and what brings us together is also the diversity of people yeah personalities isn't that funny ages isn't that funny how you're saying what brings us together is our diversity but it's it's like it's true though it's true isn't it i mean we were there united we were screaming you were screaming atlanta and my part was screaming united yeah and together we were cheering and Cheering was a word that I really enjoyed in this game. Like I was my entire being cheering, like really encouraging, really pepping, really supporting Atlanta United. But also made me realize like you can also do it for yourself. Like if people out there are sad or a bit disappointed or low and not really motivated, you can be your own cheer leader. Yeah. <laughs> more or less. You yeah. can be the one that cheers you up with your entire being. Give yourself that strength. Give yourself that support. Give yourself that care. And you can do it. And we realize that there's no right or wrong in cheering. There's no right or wrong in being a fan. Some might have a tattoo, some not. That doesn't tell you who's the better fan. Right. We're all in this together as a team, supporting a common goal. Yeah, and the players, they live for these cheering. Yes. They live for the adulation of the fans. They live for for 
fans to scream their name Woo! once they score a goal and whatnot. So they 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 put up with the lows, right? Yeah. They put up with you know criticisms from fans. They put up with boos. They put up with jeering from away fans, whichever, um, because they know once they get to the cheering. Once they do something right and everyone, all all past mistakes are forgotten, then everyone and everyone is is screaming your name and they're stepping up their game. Yeah. When we do that, it's, they're stepping up their game, and it's worth it. And that's why we also want to thank you guys for listening and supporting our cause and what we're doing. And we also stepping up our game. And that last goal when Joseph Martinez scored three one, and we knew that. Atlanta United is about to win. It was a really nice feeling. I looked over to the supporter section while I was jumping mad and crazy. And Kerry, what were you doing at that time? Man? <laughs> I was uh, falling off my seat because <laughs> everyone was jumping crazy. And you and were drinking me. beer on the air. <laughs> you, were drink, you were drinking beer in the air, right? <laughs> so guys, and it's so beautiful that there is so many different ways to cover a game and the real heroes out there are the organizations, companies that one way or another are important break in this game to promote soccer in the world but in Atlanta, in US too and give different stories to the public people I mean, we have Atlanta United to thank yeah. for providing a new twist to soccer in mm. the United States, mm. a new growth to the game. Yeah. And like Atlanta United, you have you have organiz you have groups like Eight by Eight magazine Oof. who really provide insight and unique stories, unique yeah. content, uh, thought provoking content even that helps grow the knowledge of, of the sport in exactly. the country. Exactly. And I like what they said. They started off by breaking the rules. Yeah. Look at how the old system was and come with the new ideas and new approach. And they can only do it, not only, but they could do it by being free. And that's what they became when Grace and Robert started to work together. They started to decide the path they want to take this. And... When we asked what the future was for 8x8, I got inspired. Yeah. I got motivated. I like that mindset. And it's like soccer players too. They said world domination. <laughs> Not maybe tomorrow, but slowly but steady. Keep going with good content, quality stories, and collaboration. They will reach their goals and get new goals as well. They aim on having their influence felt throughout the world, and they're not afraid to break a few norms along the way, which I think is necessary in order to to, to really get your message across, to really get that presence. Mm. Mm. So, we are sitting here, and we're also breaking the rules, going against the norm, doing something different and unique. You know what uh, what presence I really felt at the Atlanta United game? Tell me. The presence of Joseph Martinez. Oof. Oof. When he scored that goal and fell a tear, he got emotional. Mm. 
he got happy because he heard the supporters screaming his name while he was warming up. Yeah. That was you. That was you and a thousand other supporters, fans on that section that cheered him. He came in and he scored. This is how we all did when he scored. We jumped. So let's relive that moment again together. I encourage you to, right now, right now, put your arms up in the air. Put your arms up in the air. And as soon as Joseph Martinez scores, and the song comes in, we're going to enjoy this moment. We're going to enjoy this moment wherever we are in the world right now. Enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. Thank you for listening to the second preseason episode of Oscotch and King Soccer Podcast Show. Martinez. You want to see out of Joseph Martinez. These fans are feeling it.